louder. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the very first episode of Pilot Parlay, your guide to TV pilots and so much more. This is your host, TJ Bowser, and joining me is my best friend, some call him my doppelganger, Mr. Brody Kane. Howdy ho! You may know us from Lights, Camera, Exploitation, the TJ Bowser Power Hour, or Gore and More, or a plethora of projects that we work on, but we are here today to talk about TV pilots and one in particular, and that is Renegade from 1992, episode name Renegade with a runtime of 44 minutes premiered September 19th 1992 Brody let's get into it out to the motherfucking yay so this pilot was directed by Ralph Hemmaker who also did Silk Stockings Once Upon a Time in Blue Bloods cinematographer James R. Bagdonas who worked on series such as Hunter Lewis and Clark The New Adventures of Superman and Modern Family Writers, Stephen J. Canal, who also stars in this, who wrote series such as Ten Speed and Brown Shoe, 21 Jump Street, and Silk Stockings. Starring Lorenzo Lamas as Reno Reigns, or his alter ego Vince Black, Branscombe Richmond as Bobby Sixkiller, Kathleen Kinnamont as Cheyenne Phillips, Grand L. Bush as Harry Wells, Donald Gibb as Cletus Hogg Adams, Art LaFleur as Lieutenant Beryl, Depreece Brescia as Valley Prentice, Stephen J. Cannell as Lieutenant Donald Dutch Dixon. Brody, I know you've been itching to read this. <laughs> Reno Range is a cop who denounced another cop to defend justice and was subsequently framed by not-so-good cops. Before he can prove his innocence, a murder attempt on his life leaves his fiancée in a vegetative condition. He becomes a Vincent Black, a man on the run for his life, his freedom. And his revenge, a renegade cop. So we know Lorenzo. Most people know him from Greece. And he did that other show we talked about on our Snake Eater episode of LC. Falcon Crest. Falcon Crest, right. Uh, he's awesome in this. He's fucking awesome in this. And to see him have this opportunity is just fantastic. So, Brody, renegade motherfucking renegade we've talked about it we've mentioned it many times on other content that we've done together it's a show we both love i did Absolutely. i did i introduce you to this i had seen it all over social media for a quite some time and i was like oh, i don't really know if i really want to fucking watch that and it was more so that i actually got into you know the snake eater franchise mm. and then digging a little bit deeper with lorenzo and i think that me and you uh were able to figure out that uh that Reneg- uh, that he was the guy that was in Renegade in the end yeah. because of our additional information and that we would find for LCE. And then I was like, you know what, I'm definitely going to give it a shot now. Um, and then I think the same day I f- watched the first episode, you were watching it as well and you're like, oh, no, we definitely have to do something on this <laughs> in the future. And I was like, fucking sign me up because I am signed, sealed, delivered every day of the motherfucking week. I really... I'm glad we're able to fucking finally do this because I love Renegade so much. Haven't finished all the seasons yet, but I'm really definitely keen to 
fucking talk about it. Fucking A. So we're going to get into the little discussion portion of the show here. Uh, this is definitely going to be a little bit more different than the other shows that you've listened to from us. This is going to be a lot more condensed, more focusing on the discussion portion of it. So bear with us as we work our ways and find our way with this new show. So Brody, the song, the intro montage, as we know uh, from a little bit of pre-production stuff that we, a little pre-production research that we did, that the intro was actually cut to Bon Jovi's Dead or Alive originally to pitch to networks. So whenever yeah. you see, uh, I can't remember the guy's name who did the music for this. I think it's Brian something. Uh, he actually had to do new music to the same montage that was used for Bon Jovi's Dead or Alive. And you can kind of tell. But I think that the music and the montage we get, and including the awesome shot of Reno dumping the gallon of water on himself for no reason, is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> that is just the sexual chemistry for the women out there. Yeah. Um, oh, and maybe men. Maybe yeah, men. Yeah. Who, no, John. He did, he did do Playgirl. That's right. Um, yep. I'm still waiting for that Playgirl magazine. <laughs> <mate. laughs> um, but yeah, absolutely. And um, But I kind of feel that this is a lot better with the montage we get because it's a bit more fast paced. And, mm -hmm. um, especially with the music and themes and that. Um, but what really fucking sold me was before even the music starts, mm -hmm. and I'm going to read out the lyrics for you <laughs> in the voice. He was a cop and a good cop at his job, but he committed the ultimate sin and testified against other cops gone bad. Cops that tried to kill him, but got the woman he loved instead. Framed for murder, now he prowls the Badlands. An outlaw hunting outlaws, a bounty hunter, a renegade. And then the music kicks in. Fucking. If that doesn't fucking get you amped before each episode, I don't know what the fuck will. And what's surprising is that this was originally made just for syndication and wasn't picked up by a network. Uh, a rate, a, later it was, in the later seasons, I believe it was aired on USA Network. Uh, and, we'll, and we'll talk about that in our afterwards section, which we'll get to. But this show, definitely a vehicle for Lorenzo Lamas. I really... Uh, He's in Baywatch, and the intro of this has some Baywatch-esque shots in it, but I think that's just a product of the time and what was hot, because if you go back and watch other series at the time, and we'll get into them later on and later down the show in future episodes, but a lot of these intros had the same vibe to them, if you remember, Brody. Yeah, definitely. Uh, absolutely correct. Uh, it's just that 90s uh, product of its time, and like you said, the majority of the, the American TV shows of that era definitely had to have like that uh, montage. Like they were always borrowing something else from someone else yeah. from what I could recall as a kid. Um, but I think that's what creates that awesome nostalgia about it. Um, mm -hmm. And I never really grew up watching Renegade as a kid down here. Uh, but we did have other shows like Baywatch and that. So yeah. I can definitely see where you were coming from with that. Um, but I just love it how they were able to layer the montage of Reigns, you know, on a Harley with the outlaw music and just rain shooting cunts. Like, there's even a shot of him for no fucking reason holding, like, a Gatlin gun running. Yeah. Like, and we don't get to see that in the show. But it was just <clears throat> so much happening in that that it was just going to sell the viewer every yeah. day of the week because it's just over-the-top action. And like you said, he's really familiar uh, with playing a character like this, having done, like, even the first two Snake Eaters leading into this, and then he would do Snake Eater 3 and he's pretty done much the same TV. year. Prior to this, I believe he was actually in Baywatch uh, prior to this. Yes. And yes. Uh, yep. like like we mentioned, he was in Falcon Crest as well. So we kind of had a little bit more, but I don't think he was really the center of attention on a TV show like he was prior to this. Uh, no, no. Standout performance in this series or this pilot more specifically, I want to say Lorenzo, but I really find myself 
loving Bobby Six Killer as the series yep. goes on. I absolutely love how that character progresses, but more importantly, the way that this character shown in this pilot, he's shown as a very strong character, very smart-witted, and just some of the banter you see between him and Donald Dixon, that the Donald Dixon character is just awesome. I uh, yep. I love the the line about George Foreman in the grill, how he can make millions and on the same day Donald Trump can lose millions. That's America. It's 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 just it's cool. Uh yeah, it's it's just it's unique to see that sort of character it's it, it's interesting brody yeah yeah no you're right yeah and another thing to add to that even like the chemistry between him and lorenzo by the end of the episode you know you really feel like they have a special bond especially yeah. after the events that they've just gone through so the the character development for the two characters or stand out the most is obviously lorenzo and him and yeah, they flush that out extremely well in this. Like you said, they just give him this like quick, quick-witted humor. Um, but also, he's he can stand on his own as a strong character. Um, I I personally went with Lorenzo because I am biased. And yeah, of course, Lorenzo. Um, and like I was saying, like they really flush out his character in this, and obviously the show's focused on him, so you yep. really have to and push that forward for the rest of the season. And you know, he's just a broken man with nothing to lose, and um, he's quite familiar with that character, having played a lot of um action roles in the past. But he's quite humorous at times as well, and that works. He's got that dry sense of humor that we talk about in Snake Eater too. You know, yes. I think he brings that over from them films. Really, we elaborates on it here. a little bit more. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, he just stands out as somewhat a humble leader and, you know, really knows how to grace the screen with his presence. Um, I will have to say, uh, Lorenzo, I think, lacks in one scene in particular. And you can tell me if you agree. When he's talking about his girlfriend to the Kathleen Kennemont character at the fire. I feel like that scene, his acting was weaker and they just laid music over top to kind of make it more effective. Yeah, well, it's funny you say that because he's definitely... See, that's the thing. He's definitely really laced and knows how to be this action star. But when it gets to the emotional aspect of things, like Hedy, like I don't think he's really quite familiar with bringing the emotional side. Yeah, Yeah. dialing it into something like this because in his previous films, he hasn't really had to deal with anything like this. He's just been been Lone Ranger. Yeah, yeah, Lone Ranger, One Man Army, and then you add this extra layer on top. It's an interesting thing though because he should have been able to really drive that home, having sitting there with his wife. That, that yeah. was his wife at the time. So, you know, they really should have been able to feed off each other and he should have been able to cha- uh, channel that with her, thinking of her in mind, if I was to lose you, like really dig deep. But at the same time, the direction from the director himself probably, you know, yeah, maybe just sort of said, you know, get comfortable with it, you know. Who, who knows, really? Um, or just something yeah, I no, I, I totally agree. Yeah. I agree with you there. Yep, absolutely. And we, we you kind of touched on a little bit the relationship that we see early on with Reno and Bobby and kind of how it starts with him getting that contract from Donald and then him quickly learning not really quickly learning but over the course of the episode learning that things aren't what they seem and this is actually what happened but he had to go through all these series of misfortunate events and really just come out the hard way and learn the hard way that Reno's innocent and I love the way they do it uh I think now's the time to mention the Cletus Hogg Adams character who you might know him as Ogre from the Revenge of the Nerd series. He is fantastic in this. He looks like a bad motherfucker. I'm sure Brody would yep. agree. Uh, Absolutely. As he says, the graffiti on his arms uh, definitely helps <laughs> with that. 
but yeah, I, it was really cool. And it's funny because in the movie we just re- re- uh, reviewed for LCE, there was another Revenge of the Nerds alumni with Lorenzo. And that was Speedboat and Lamar from who also played Lamar in Revenge of the Nerds. So just another callback there, a little comparison. Brody? Yeah, absolutely. And I uh, I remember Hog um, from Bloodsport. I'm pretty sure he was in Bloodsport oh, with Van Damme. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, it was actually interesting to um, see him on this. And that's the cool thing about the show. That's what I love, how they introduce a lot of these B-movie um, actors. So yes. throughout each episode, it's always fun to see who they're going to bring in. But, yeah, no, he um, he actually did a reasonably good job. Um, I mean, it's what you expect from an actor mm-hmm. like him, like a B-movie action villain. Um, but he definitely brings it all. And- but, yeah, it, I, it, it's an interesting thing. Yeah, you bring that up about, like, the um, – the Revenge of the Nerds has a little tie to Llamas. Yeah. It's like it keeps haunting him. You can't escape it. You're going to see Carradine pop up soon. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. Eh? Get on the ground, Reigns. <laughs> Booger rocks up. That'd be funny interaction. Uh But speaking of Hog, which kind of will transition to our next little topic here, the scene when we first introduced a Hog in the prison and he's being released and the camera pans up to show uh, the dirty cop standing above him through like a translucent like walkway. Yeah. Super fucking cool. Fucking love it. That was a really good shot. (laughs) Absolutely. It's probably one of the more cinematic shots in this. um, Yeah. Because I was going to choose that. But yeah, yeah, um, I I will. I will let you elaborate on that a little bit more. It's just it's just so well done. It's just a cool way to show, like, here's the bad guy, and then to show, like, the even de- the even badder guys just looming above. It's just, <laughs> it's, it's it's gnarly, and it definitely establishes that these are the baddies. And the way that they frame the Donald Dixon character at the beginning and how the way it goes towards the ends is it, it he starts off in the shadows, and he's kind of revealed towards the end to be the, the, the bad guy. And that's, I love yeah. it. I love, especially whenever he's sitting in the car, and he's half in the shadows. I, I feel like there's more into that, that it's an actually a stylistic choice that they tried to make and i want to believe that brody <laughs> yeah no i'm glad you brought that up because it's either that it was deliberate or obviously accidental yeah. um but yeah I, I i completely agree with you there for that shot um i think it was absolutely i was actually like holy fuck they tried to do really something cinematic <laughs> with it considering everything else is pretty basic in this um even some of the action scenes didn't look as good as that shot Dude. and it, old mate just stood out he's just doing fuck all just looking at the camera it's like yeah right can we talk about um, the staging of that fucking chase scene of bobby through the tunnel and lorenzo just happens to be at the end of the tunnel yeah. on the bike waiting <laughs> bobby like if you were really fucking smart enough there's about 10 bikies chasing didn't they just run past reno <laughs> No, but no, no. They follow Bobby to the other side of the yeah. tunnel, and then he runs out the other side. Wouldn't you think the fucking run yeah. to the other side of the tunnel and block him off, and then beat the fuck out of him inside the fucking they, tunnel? And if they did, they would have seen Reno right there waiting for him. Yeah. Like, oh, Reno's on his bike. I wonder what's going to happen here. Let's just chase Bobby. They only have themselves to blame. The bike is a fucking numbskulls yeah. in this. But, um, also, why does Kathleen Kinnamont randomly shoot the shotgun out the window when the fight starts? <laughs> Big energy. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll just let off of need more action. All right, Kathleen, grab that shotgun and fire a blank for fuck's sake. I like how she's but, essentially um, established as like, if you need me, call me. This is going to be my role. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, more like if you want to f- me. Oh. But, um, yeah. <laughs> 
But um, no, I I personally went um, yeah for the actually I went for my favourite scene. Mm-hmm. I went for Rains and Bobby luring the bikers into somewhat this ambush or trap. That this is after our little discussion of mm-hmm. the stupid tunnel thing, and um, we get that cool shot of Bobby boxing them in just by walking. <laughs> oh, oh badass! Yes, boom, boom, <laughs> rapidly as he approaches them. It's just and they all now. get down. Yeah, they all get down. And and speaking of big dick energy, that's pure 90s yeah. big dick energy that's fucking badass just got this mullet blowing in the fucking air like it's just sex appeal that's all it is yeah. and it's just badass it's all fuck how hot is Reno's fiance in the opening holy shit She's, now she is quite exquisite and you're talking about Baywatch themes there earlier yeah fuck those shots of them on the beach is nothing but how Baywatch corny was the title reveal <laughs> with the surfboard what the fuck yeah, I was, yeah. <laughs> bit on the nose as you would say <laughs> absolutely i mean not only did we get that then we get the fucking title cards so yeah like, right is that for? <laughs> <laughs> Wasted. um did we talk about did you talk about your favorite shot i don't I, yeah i talked about my shot because it was the pan of the uh the camera oh, going up sorry, the yeah. i don't think i talked about my favorite scene but i don't must have to agree with you with the the bobby uh doing the the trap again Again, snake eater contrast doing the trap and then and then like kind of trapping them with the shotgun that was it's awesome uh i really like the scene where they're bobby's trying to tell him the story and reno just like interrupts him he's like i gotta pee and then kicks the shit out of him <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fucking what a diversion that is i know <laughs> i gotta pee <laughs> Um, um, I think for favorite shot, I love the close up shot of uh, Bobby cocking the shotgun, and then it's like a close up of Bobby's hand cocking the shotgun, Mm -hmm. and then it cuts to like a mid wide shot of Bobby and Rain center frame, yeah, you know, with this sunset shining through the landscape and the guns. And Bobby's like, Let's do this, friend. (laughs) And it's only for a couple of seconds, but it's just like probably another one of those cinematic shots because it actually looks really fucking good. I, TVs. I, I like how <laughs> it's clearly a TV show because the bikers clearly set up that they're going to the Kathleen Kittemont character and they they even go as far as ripping her shirt so her tits are out like her like her bra's out right Reno pulls up the goggles and he's like nah she's fine they're not doing anything to her that's all he does and that's and Bobby takes that as yeah my sister's fine amongst all these dr- crazy fucking bikers like <laughs> that's well, yeah, she's just sitting there tied up on. with her tits out, you know, just like, yeah, she's fine. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, here, imagine if you're one of the extras on set and you had actually had to do that in front of Lorenzo. Do you yeah. approach him about that and go, Do you really want me to do this to your wife? He's probably like, Yeah, just fucking do whatever. I don't <laughs> care. Like, how, how does that come about? That's yeah. what I want to fucking know, but yeah. It's a um, definitely a lot of interesting choices in this, but that's the '90s for you. Yeah. It, it, again, this isn't the most perfect series ever, but fuck, do we love it? And I think that this is kind of where the production quality of the the series kind of starts to show itself. It's not the highest, but it's also not the lowest. I'd say somewhere mid tier. Yep. Uh, yep. The editing could be better, but I think that can be said with most '90s shows in hindsight. Yeah. Uh, yep. I think we've talked a little bit about some of the the, the questionable staging uh, questions and choices that they made some of the shots are really cool like we mentioned there's some artistic uh, attempts there but like also brody mentioned 
it's few and far between and it's pretty stock standard. I think the shots of the desert are pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just the landscape shots in general, yeah. you know, it's definitely got a bit of flair about it with that sunlight. I don't know if that were if that was just an accident due to scheduling uh, shooting issues or whatever uh-huh. it was, you know. Um, but you know, um, having worked on a couple of sets, I know that sometimes a director will just shoot, uh, get the DP to shoot off and just film a bit of stock footage, yeah. you know, of the landscapes and that, just for inserts and that. So I dare say, if you're working in an environmental like, setting like that, it's it's, it's definitely going to fall into your lap yeah. any day of the week. Um, yeah, that's right. You worked I on think- an actual TV show not long ago, so you'd have good insight on this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, especially in the desert too. So yeah. there was a couple of really good shots in that. Um, but no, I, I completely agree with you. Uh, the editing is probably the thing that lets it down really the most. Yeah. Um, um, but it's, it's just your very basic 90s production quality. Yes. They just had to probably pump these episodes out um, on a minimal budget. Like you said, there was no studio behind it. It yeah. was just sort of a – Finance um, thing. Let's get this and pitch yeah. it. Yeah, and they really had to obviously uh, rely on like uh, actual locations instead of set pieces and that. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, there's nothing really – Even nothing the, really uh, the biker hangout. Like both yeah. times they get uh, – the hog character, it's mildly in buildings that are open or just run down, uh, yep. especially in the second time whenever he goes to retrieve the Kathleen Kinnamont character, the Cheyenne Phillips. She's just sitting out in the open and all the other ones are and all the bikers are just passed out on the ground. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. Do, uh, do bikers just sleep on the ground like that or I, who knows? I, I, yeah, I, I think their excuse for that was that they had a big party the night before and yeah. just got absolutely fucking hammered. And then it was like, oh, OK. And you think they would have learned the first time, time that this happens, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> These buggies are the worst in the world. I don't know who the fuck they go under, but they're just shit. <laughs> Which allows us to talk about the series premise. So yep. it's set up that Reno is now teamed up with Bobby in Cheyenne for their bounty hunting business and that Bobby gets a certain percentage of each bounty and that Reno takes his cut and send and Bobby uses it to pay for his girlfriend that's stuck in this vegetative condition. Now, at the same time, Reno is getting investigated by the cops for two murders, uh, a cop and his the shooting of his own girlfriend. So how long can you hold this investigation off for? How long can he stay on the run? And how many bounties can you show him executing? And we'll get into that, how many they actually do show you. And I think that that ultimately limits the longevity of the a show like this because you have to show progress of the story. And I think that kind of limits yeah. it, especially whenever you have to come to a conclusion like this. And we'll talk about how they kind of do it. But uh, Brody, what do you think about the premise and the setup here in the pilot? Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, look, I, I I think that there was a huge audience for this type of show even throughout the nineties, and mm-hmm. you know, obviously, action was a big thing back then. So you have to, so you, you have this developed into a TV series, um, and, and you're getting a lot of over the top action, which is like it was kind of a big thing back then. It was like one film would do an action film, and then you really had to try and one up that action film yes. sort of thing. I kind of find it was just a progressive thing throughout the years, um, whether it was a movie or TV series, but for me really it's the it's the characters themselves and the chemistry they have that really gets flushed out it's great to see unfold throughout the series you know and uh we've we get a lot of future exploitative stars in this so it's 
always fun to see and who is on what episodes as a surprise, really. But um, you said it really good there before um, with the progression uh, of... Um, with the way that we see like Reno progress, we can only see him progress so far whenever he's being investigated and his girlfriend's stuck in the vegetative condition because they can only be so long. That investigation can only be held off for so long. It's Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yes, that's what... Yeah, sorry. I had a fucking mental fart then. But yes, the progression of that story alone really helps drive this for another for another fucking five seasons, mm-hmm. which is um, something really actually... I mean, for something so simple of a premise... I think it ultimately leads to the detriment seasons. of the season, though. Just not to interrupt you, but like I think it, it also can lead to it as a detriment because it kind of also can get stale at times. Oh, absolutely. And it all depends on the writing of each episode. I yes. Like, there is it's only so much you can really do. Yeah, yeah. The first episode, it really gives us an idea with what we're dealing with, but then each episode adds an extra layer, I find, for the next episode. Yes. And by the end of the series, we've got to try and, you know, tie up all these loose ends, and then when we don't get that in the final uh, final episode, then that's when season two will begin and start trying to tie up And I up believe Kinemont leaves roads. before the series is even over. I believe her character just leaves and they just write her off, because I think her and Lorenzo oh. get a divorce. Ooh, that's a bit rough. Yeah, so- I didn't even know that. Yeah. <laughs> Like I said, this it, it's weird progression throughout the series, and we'll kind of talk about that, and we'll talk about my favorite episode later. But uh, series themes, there's clearly strong themes of masculinity through this yeah. uh, with Reno, Bobby. I feel like women take a backseat interview like most 90s things. Uh, they're yeah. hypersexualized here. Like Brody and I talked about the opening super Baywatch. I mean, she's a beautiful woman, but I think that characters for like the sh- the Kathleen Kennemont character, uh, I don't think that we get a lot of really focus on it, but that also could be because the Kathleen Kennemont isn't really that great of an actress at that time. We talked about this in the Snake Eater 2 episode. She's there, but that's that's what it seems like. She's just there because Lorenzo's there. That's his wife. And I believe in the in the production notes, it is that she was cast as this because Lorenzo didn't want to be away from his wife because their wet, uh, their wet, uh, marriage was already on the rocks and him being away filming a TV show would have made it worse. So he kind of brought her along. So once again, we find this situation where she's just here and we're getting like this middle tier maybe even slightly less than that delivery of lines i'm actually glad you brought that up i do agree with you but i'm, I'm glad you brought that up because the majority of his filmography throughout uh the mid 80s to the mid 90s is basically him and her working together on all these other films like final impact um i don't know if she's in the swordsman or whatever but she's definitely in the snake eater franchise uh well from the second don't know if she's in the third. Oh, actually, I think she might be in the third. But you, you hit the nail on the head there. And you can definitely tell that throughout his filmography from when they divorced previously to that. They're together working all the time on all these yeah. things together. And yeah, it does kind of feel that she's just there in this TV uh, series. And she doesn't really give much of a dynamic performance. She's just really this sort of stale, like, I'm here to sort of help so out. So it's kind of hard to tell, to tell the themes whenever that character could be played by somebody else and those lines could have been delivered better. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. She, I don't, oh, I don't really want to say because it, it just sounds bad, but she's very mediocre at best. Yeah. Even, even, even in the Snake Eater, she just sort of like pops up and it's like, hmm, okay, you ain't no Cynthia Rothrock. Two fucking lines. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think the Sheila at the fucking start of the episode had more. Um, Agreed. Had more of a yeah, 100%. Of a chemistry. Yeah, definitely have some have some uh, noirish themes. Throughout the episode, uh, especially yeah. in the reference shot of the Donald Dixon character sitting in the car. Uh, he's always yeah. framed in a noirish sense because they kind of keep him in the shadows because he's also a dirty cop. 
cop. So you kind of want to do that. I definitely like the whole undercover, not undercover thing, what we see later on uh, (laughs) with the Vince Black stuff. I mean, Reno's not a cop anymore, right? No, he sort of goes rogue as a bounty hunter, pretty much. But yeah, uh, heavy noirish themes and masculinity is probably the best way to describe this series. Uh, But yeah, rating. Brody, how would you rate this out of five uh, devilishly handsome dudes riding a motorcycle through the desert? I was thinking about this uh, yesterday, and I was like, I don't want to be too biased about it. So yeah, basically, this is nothing but a nostalgia fucking ride for me. Um, and yeah, the themes you summed up were absolutely a nail on the fucking head. The exploitative themes throughout this that we're really familiar with. Um, I mean, this is my bread and butter every day of the goddamn week. So the rating for this is. I'm gonna have to go with a. I'm gonna go with a three point four. I'll agree with you. You know, I'll I'll say three point three point four out of five is fair for this. Yep. It's not premium, but it's it's no. definitely better than average. And it's I think Reno, the Reno character and the Bobby performances alone make this pilot super watchable. One hundred and ten percent, absolutely. So a little afterwards here, this series would go on to do five seasons, 110 episodes from 1992 to 1997, and would even feature an attempted spinoff in the season two finale for the Carrick O'Quinn character, which never came to pass. Again, this series only ran five seasons and only got picked up for its last season. That premise that we mentioned earlier did not hold up as well as we would like it to, but like we said, there's only so much longevity something like that has. Uh, It definitely has a detriment to the strength of the series overall, but it is what it is. Uh, We can appreciate it now. I believe FilmRise has the rights to the series, and all of them are available on YouTube and or Tubi TV, and I believe a recently released DVD box set was dropped from a company named Visual Entertainment, but don't quote me on that. It's probably over $100, but uh, it was released earlier this year. Brody, any final thoughts on 1992's Renegade? Renegade, a very underrated gem of a TV show. If you have not seen it, definitely go out and suss it and see if you yourself or take our fucking word for it yeah because we highly enjoy it and if you're here listening to us there is a reason for that and i will just say the amount of people that i've actually told about this to give it a watch they've actually started watching it and they're enjoying it or they're re-watching it and they're just like the fucking nostalgia i had for this tv show oh my god they couldn't even believe it it was just rushing back to them so yeah if you like exploitative themes your b movie action whatever it is over the top stuff this is a fun ride for you so i think this series is kind of like when you eat a cheese it right you can't just have one and you just can't watch one episode because when you watch it you want to keep seeing more of reno and bobby's continuing adventures especially all the weird situations they have to get themselves into doing this bounty hunting gig and that lends itself to one of my favorite episodes is reno getting into this like martial arts death match thing and it's like a multi-episode arc so they put effort into that story and it pays off and that's much later in the series so go check that out if you want but i highly recommend that but like we mentioned earlier the premise and ultimately led to the downfall (laughs) of everything but it's so it's so but i think that's all we have for this episode of pilot parlay thank you for joining us thank you for listening this has been the pod boss tj bowser signing off this is your doppelganger kanga banger all the way from the land down motherfucking under saying i will catch you mother lickers next time 
Look, Mr. Reigns, you signed up with me to bring in felons for cash, not personal vendettas. A modern day bounty hunter. All you need to know is it's taken all my self-control to keep from dumping you right now. Driven by his past, charged with a murder he didn't commit. Reno Reigns. Wanted for murder. You're being set up, man. Lorenzo Lamas is the renegade. Ah! Justice is his only reward. A little backstory here of why we're doing this. Brody and I really wanted an excuse to talk about uh, TV pilots, and we really don't have one through LCE, but there's some times where Nick's not available and Brody and I are, and we want to still make use of that time to do content, and it gives us an excuse to explore things like the Renegade pilot or the Twin Peaks pilot or X-Files or stuff like that. It's it's a way for us to continue to have conversations about stuff that we're passionate about and create content that we enjoy doing. And I think that that's what's more important to us at the end of the day. And talking about this stuff is just fun anyway. Followings for adults only. be lonely talk live to your special lady tonight international long distance rate supply as low as 50 cents a minute adults only by lnb media pick up the phone cat got your tongue 